Father, we uh, pray. <clears throat> Father, we, um, we want that to be an honest confession of ours. That all that we would need and trust would be the deep love of Jesus Christ. Your constant, um, well, as the psalmist calls it tonight, steadfast love always being extended, always being poured out into the life of your children. And we thank you for that, Lord. It's humbling. It's comforting. Um, it's incredibly helpful to us. And we thank you for it, Lord. We look to you now, Lord, I pray that you would give us the song that we see. We, in Psalm 33, from the heart, that we would, Lord, be satisfied in you when we see you and understand who you are, what you've done, what you're capable of, what you've promised, and we would rest and abide in you, Lord, and be people who are glad and who sing your praises. So we ask these things and pray them in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, Psalm 33 tonight. You can turn there. Scroll there. <clears throat> um, like I said earlier, Psalm 33, I don't know if at one point, you know, 32 and 33 were one song. They certainly could have been. Um, 33 doesn't have your typical intro to it like the other Psalms have with, you know, a masculine of David or whatever, what have you. It just kind of starts. And... Um, and it really starts with where Psalm 32 ends. So like I said earlier, Psalm 32 begins with, Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity, and whose spirit there is no deceit. And so it begins with that, just that wonderful exclamation of um, the person who's blessed is the person who has their sins and their transgressions covered. So... If you have your sins covered by the blood of Christ, and you are in Christ, then you are blessed. And by the end of Psalm 32, it's the exclamation of, Many are the sorrows of the wicked, but the steadfast love surrounds the one who trusts in the Lord. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, O righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. So that's where he ends in 32. Psalm 33 really picks up where 32 ends without really skipping a beat, but then it goes in to talk about um, God and his working over creation, his working and involvement with people, and then his working and involvement with his own people, his personal people, and then it ends again with another exclamation of um, praise to God. So um, I titled this, All of God and All Our Trust. We get a picture of, in Psalm 33, certainly not, when, we say, when I say all of God, I don't mean everything that can be known about God or God can be exhausted in this psalm, but we get a really a big picture of who God is and his involvement and what he's done and how really that should affect our trust. So all of God and all our trust. So Psalm 33 begins, like I said, where 32 ends, shout for joy in the Lord, O you righteous, Praise befits the upright. 
Give thanks to the Lord with the lyre. Make melody to him with the harp of ten strings. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully on the strings with loud shouts. And so the first three verses are really kind of this introduction to the psalm and really revealing the heart of the psalmist. And um, the psalmist loves to sing. The psalmist loves to, to worship God. He begins with that command, shout for joy. You see shouting, you see praising, you see thanking, you see making melody, you see singing, and you see playing skillfully all there within those first three verses. Um, it's like strike up the band because we're coming to worship God together. Um, and he identifies who really in verse one, who he's addressing, oh, you righteous. And that's where he ended at the end of Psalm 32, addressing those who were forgiven of their transgressions are the righteous. And he picks that up here in verse one of 33, shout for joy in the Lord, oh, you righteous. And when you think about why it is that you and I can be identified as righteous, we have reason for praise. The only reason that we can be called righteous or identified as righteous is because we've been given the righteousness of Christ. And that is reason to sing. That is reason for worship. And so, he, it's, so then he goes on to describe it, right? Praise, shout for joy. Praise befits the upright. Give thanks to the Lord with the lyre. Make melody to him with the harp of ten strings. Sing to him a new song. And I think about a Revelation 5, 9, how we're, they're, they're told, we're told that they sing a new song when Christ is revealed as being worthy to open the scrolls. And it's like this psalm in the new song anticipates that new song, which is the crowning you know, event achievement of what it is that Christ has done. And so because of that, sing to him a new song, play skillfully on the strings with loud shouts. And because our God is a God of order, um, he, I think, includes this, this call to play skillfully. You know, it's not as if when we're getting together to sing, it's just this ruckus of a noise. You know, he's calling people, grab your lyre, Grab your 10-string harp. I don't know who plays a harp, a 10-string harp. But when you do, grab it and play skillfully. I mean, and, and this really, like I can't play an instrument, um, but the people that can, God calls us to play and to use the abilities that he's given us to use to him and to do it with skill. This is one of the reasons why Christians are called to do all things with excellence. This is why you just, it's not like, oh, hey, um, yeah, I want to praise, I want to be on the, on the team up here, and I just, because I love singing and I love worshiping the Lord, and yeah, throw an instrument in my hands, and you get up here, and they're just like doing whatever they want, and they're not coming together and being part of the team. This is why the heart of a worshiper is important, but also the ability to be able to play skillfully in a way that leads the rest of the congregation in and facilitates worship is important too. And I think, that's an, I, I think that that's an aspect of the musical team that is often 